Radical prayer. Radical prayer. It's to do with the Lord's Prayer. I almost bypassed the Lord's Prayer. Can you believe it? I think you're thinking with this, it's, it's, it's so familiar to us. A mess folk here would ken it. When it's mentioned in the Gospel according to Luke, it was actually the disciples that says, Lord, would you teach us? Teach us how to pray. And he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. And it never says, God, teach us how to walk in water. How to multiply the lofts and fishes, because it would be really handy in a soup and sweet or an afternoon tea. Ever says, teach us how to do these things with Lazarus and healing lepers. The disciples knew something happens when that man prays. Teach us how to pray. And then he taught, the, if it is known as the Lord's Prayer, some would say it's a disciple's prayer, it's for us. It wasn't for him. But there you go. How much people in here are not going to ask you to recite it word for word? How much in here would have learned previously the Lord's Prayer? They did it at school. Okay, quite a lot. It's something that I learned at school. Mrs. Massey, my primary school teacher, I mean, it was a test. She said, learn the Lord's Prayer. I think we've got a day ago. I think I was in primary... In my mind, I was thinking I was primary four. By the room I was in, I vaguely mind learning the Lord's Prayer, going through it step by step. Our Father, who art in heaven, there was no NLT or NIV. It was King James, and that's how we learned it. And it was something that was memorized. And Mrs. Massey would say, okay, Father has learned the Lord's Prayer. And okay, I've learned it. And then some people would say it. And it's something that we did. We did at school. I'd like if it's still something they would do at school. But I want to say, I want to champion our teachers, Christian teachers. I always say, well, they have got a very, 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 very difficult job. I think they get too much of a bashing for pulpits. Too much folks, oh, when I was at school, when it was Christian school, we learned the Lord's Prayer. It was so holy, so divine. We'd go to the nativity and that, and knew the teachers, da, 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 da. We need to pray for our teachers. We need to encourage them. We need to lift them up in prayer and bless them. And they are walking like ministers these days. For times have changed. The world gets more secular and something seems more radical. But we need to pray for our teachers. They do an amazing, amazing job. And I think some too, too much emphasis can be put on the church or the school need to do their job and teach us about Jesus, teach our kids about Jesus. Because I want to tell you, I learned the Lord's Prayer word for word, verbatim. I just learned that word not long ago. That's like word for word, right? Verbatim. Hopefully that's all right. But I never ever prayed. I never prayed the Lord's Prayer. I memorized it. It didn't mean nothing to me. I did it to please Mrs. Massey. That was the... You came for discipleship starts with kids in your house. And I think a lot of parents these days are just want to delegate the discipleship. Oh, schools could be doing better, and churches should be doing better. The greatest example, and obviously I'm speaking of Christian parents, the greatest example of Jesus, the kids here in the house, is you. And you can't delegate that to a Sunday school teacher that's going 40 minutes a week. You can't delegate that to school. Schools that learn them things, memorize things, past, past tests, to deal with maths and English and poetry and all them things. 
But we are the greatest examples. Our kids trust us and look at us more than anybody in the world. I think we should just pray for schools, pray for our teachers, champion them and bless them. Come in for somebody that learned the Lord's Prayer. Jesus never said, just memorize this, you'll be fine. This was supposed to be a method. He said this. Verse 9, pray like this. He didn't just say, say these words. He's a what to say there is something contained as a model of what I want to say that you as disciples should mark part of your prayer life. And it's interesting, I was reading a few commentaries, that the few verses before this, Jesus had already said, didn't I Babylon, didn't I use meaningless words, fear the heart, mean it. And then he says something, and we can just recite it without meaning, and babble through it without really understanding what it is. Pray like this. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, verse by verse, as in verse 9 to 13. Amazing that within four or five verses, Jesus has given us the depth of what it is to pray to our Heavenly Holy Father. He's given us a manual. He's given us a method. He's given something to hang our hearts on. If you are struggling in your prayer life and that, I cannot communicate to God, Jesus is saying, I have given you this. The Lord's Prayer is a model. It's near 60 verses long. It's near three chapters long. It's three, four, five verses long. The first thing he says is this. And I've got a ticket and a, a guess three different types of relationships that we approach God with. It's all about that approach. How do we approach a relationship with the Father? You approach people in different way depending on the person. Is that right? You are very casual with some people and here some people you don't can so well. And some people you approach and you just can them, you can their vibe, you can for make them laugh, you can for their art in life, you can for you can speak about, you can fit off the table. It's some stranger, you know, got the same vibe. Is that right to say? So you'll approach them a bit more, okay, how are you doing? Good to see you. Is this your first time here? The approach is different. It goes through every relationship we have on earth. Our approach can be different. We was at Balmoral Castle on Monday. I thought we'd take Margaret to, apparently you can, well, no, apparently you can go and walk around the king's grounds now for free during the winter season. So keep that up your sleeve if you're looking for a day out when the sun returns. So I'm not big into history. I'm not the, it was funny. We went to, I've only been to the Falls of Fjord. Yes, to see the salmon lopen. Yes, so I thought, well, entertain Margaret. It's going to be a difficult day for her and the family on Monday. We'll take her somewhere. Oh, God, for this, like, salmon lopin' Balmora, let's have a gig. So I thought, right, let's go, I'll take you, let's go. So usually I've been to the Falls of Fjord before, car park, heaving at tourists, right? And so went to the car parks, about half 11, 12, not a single car. I thought, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Easy parking, the dog came out, the dog did its business, we got the dog's business in the band, we thought we've got a little short walk. I really need to say that, do I? We've got a little short walk to the, to the bridge. 
The falls of Fjord. We'll get here. Ah, the salmon ourselves. We can take a pictures, family pictures. Good to take our mind off things. And then you walked up. And you came while there was another car there. Because it was closed. <laughs> and there was a big sign up. The bridge is too dangerous. Closed. That's why there's nobody here. Ah, the flooding. So I went to Balmoral Castle anyway. So... If the king came out to his garden, if Charles came out, how do you think my approach would be? Because I would approach you in foot like, how's you? How's your week been? Now, if he was there, do you think the approach would be, foot like Charles, how are you keeping? Fools Camilla, how are you getting on? Foot like a day. You would suddenly dawn on your cell, he is royalty, whether you're a royalist or not. He's royalty, I can and have no right to approach him like a chum. If I want to say is, I think Jesus was giving us an approach. Not just verbatim, word for word, repeat us. Although you can repeat this with great meaning and great heartfelt uh, words. He was giving us, at least for me, three types of a personal relationship approach. The first thing is this, our, not just my, our Father. Our Father. The first relationship approach that Jesus was trying to, us to realize was the our Father approach. And as I was meditating on this, I just got like a, a fresh wow. But I have a heavenly Father. Not just me, not just us as a fellowship, not just Gentile Christians, but as I was reading through the New Testament aspect, that wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles is gone, and we share a heavenly Father with every other Christian on the globe. That's special. I was reading a commentary, and you're okay to disagree with a commentary if you think it's not really biblical, you're okay to disagree with preaching if you think, oh, I think that's biblical, right? It's up to you, Ains, to think for yourselves. So I was reading, and I was thinking, Our Father, so you read a commentary, and this, this person, I thought, got slightly wrong. So Our Father, they spoke about that's God's relationship with the entire globe, how he looks after the animals, the monkeys, the vegetation, the trees and the plants. He's a father to all creation, to the worms and to the spiders, which are really disappointing because big spiders have, I've got a fear of spiders. Again, they're God creatures, but I just kind of let them survive in my house. I'm really sorry. And they say, if I deal with them, Granny, because again, you're a spider keeper, right? But, and it says he's the father to all. I don't agree with that. I think that's something special. But he's God of all, sovereign over all, but only the Christian can come Father. It's that special family relationship that monkeys can I say, spiders can I say, trees can I say, unbelievers can I say. It says clearly in Scripture, for those that receive him, for those that believe in his name, he has given the right to be called the children of God. 
I want us to be lost again in wonder of this loving relationship we have. We have Father that is always there for you. You can call upon Him, and it says our spirits cry out, Father, Father, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Abba, I want you, I need you. He's a Father that is strong, that never turns its back on you. He's majestic, He's glorious, but He's got a Father's heart. And I want to say very clearly, didn't I believe the lie? If you didn't kill your dad and you didn't have kids, you didn't come first to experience the love of a Heavenly Father. I want to tell you, that transcends our earthly relationship. It's our Father. Our Father and our approaches. I'm a child. I'm maybe 40 plus years old, but I'm still a child of God. You're maybe mature in the faith. And you maybe came the scriptures back to front and you came the Greek and you came the Hebrew and you've got good theology. Praise God. You're still a child. And He's still a father. And we are just children on a journey. The overreaching. Attitude for me as a child, we could speak about love, we could speak about closeness, we could speak about hugs and spiritual hugs. For me, you see, when I see a newborn baby, a wee Elsie, it's about dependence. You see, when you have to fill out your forms for the government, how much dependence have you got in the house? That's the, the, the posture of a child is dependent. Elsie cannot jump out her buggy and grab ourselves some cookies. It's dependent upon Rebecca and Nathan feeding, helping, changing nappies, other stuff. It's dependence. And I think Jesus is saying, see God as your father and you a child that depends upon your heavenly father. It's like teaching your kid how to ride a bike. You're the person that can ride a bike. Your kid doesn't understand how to ride a bike. We can do it so naturally until we try and teach our kid how to ride a bike because it comes so naturally to us and we try to teach Isaac and he isn't a master that, honestly, if you see Isaac come and doing a rod on his bike, you get out the way. <laughs> He's like, she's like Dina Slalom. I'm just praying in Jesus' name that he doesn't knock our own with he doesn't hit anything he's not supposed to and he keeps on the narrow road. But suddenly it comes back to you how, uh, I'm the guy that cares for it to do. My kid, Isaac's now, I've got a clue how to do it. And you're like, just push off your best fat. Give yourself a good glide. Just keep pedaling. Look forward. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. If you're, give yourself a wobble. If you fall off, smash into a wall, you graze your knee, you come back to your dad. We will start out again. And I think sometimes God looks at me as the guy that's trying to grow the, go his bike. He keeps smashing. He keeps hitting walls, but he's always there for me. He's a guy that cares for it to do. He knows the beginning for the end. He's a great eye arm. He overreaches and oversees everything I do. He knows the numbers, the the hairs on my head. He knows me better than I know myself. He knows how to do this life. And I'm just a daft eh, that's got to come and say, I'm dependent upon you. You are my heavenly father. Jesus was saying this. When you approach God, come to him as a father. Come to him in dependence. Come on, as one that is part of the family of God, our Father. That's our first relationship, Father, dependent child. Our Father, and then it says this, it's like closeness, isn't it? Father, child, closeness, our Father, and heaven. It's like He's close, but He's also in heaven. May your name be 
kept holy. The first in father, dependent child, the second heart, second attitude we approach God, neither of these points are greater than another, is the posture. He's holy, and yet we are unholy. Our Father, who is in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Just because he's Father doesn't mean he's flippant. And you see a lot of flippancy these days. Sacred things becoming unsacred. Things that the church used to embrace as holy is now unholy and it becomes challenging. But Jesus is saying, He is your Father. I'll never lose sight of you. You can come home at any time. But please be aware. His dwelling place is heaven. And keep His name holy. He is of heaven. We are of earth. When I die, my body will go to the dust until it's resurrected at the last days. Come on and see Him. Get a lofty view of God. Never forget it, church. He's your father, but he's not a flippant father. He's a holy father from the scribes and the rabbis. God's personal name was this in according to Scripture, Yahweh. When a rabbi would come to that name, and if you've, especially if you've got, I think it's a King James Version, when the English translates for Yahweh, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And if when the rabbis came out, they couldn't say Yahweh. They felt it was such a holy name that they couldn't even whisper it. So they would say, if they seen capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, they would say Adonai, because the name Yahweh was so holy. And God has given us a name that's above every other name. We've announced it, we preach it, we declare it. It's a name of, it's a name of, it's the name of Jesus. And God's saying, I am your father. I'm there when you come off your bike. I'll mend your bruises. I'll wipe away your, your dirtiness. But I am still holy. And when you come into the prayer closet and you, as Jesus had instructed, close that door, didn't I be flippant? Didn't I be, oh, I'm just speaking to my dad. Ah, it's okay. I can get a few things for the shops. Ah, I didn't, 50p, go get a Mars bar. Recognize you are in a room. We are holy God. Majestic is his name. He is separate for creation. He, that name, holiness, is near, oh, he doesn't sin, oh, he's righteous. That name holy declares this. It's, it means separate. He's in a legal zone. There's no other like him. He deserves to be worshipped, honored. He deserves to be feared. He deserves, if we go into the place of prayer, to at least have a bit of fear and trembling upon us. Yes, we approach. We boldness to throw new my grace, but please, now mark your prayer closet or your prayer wax or your little prayers a place of flippancy to the Father. For Jesus says, His dwelling place is heaven, hallowed be your name. His name is holy. And I think that God wants His church to embrace the Father heart of the Lord. 
but also that holy things would remain holy, that prayer would be a place of divine keenness. And if we did not see it as holy and a place to be revered to meet the majestic God, other things in this life will easily distract you. But when you see your prayer place as something that I will ditch nothing else, I have got to meet the Holy One of Israel. That's a day in the diary you keep. That worth encountering. Whether you receive something for that time or not. And I think largely in church we can lose the, the holy aspect of Jesus. When I got born again 20-some years ago, if it was big and if it was largely, and it was the Father heart, Father heart, Father heart, Father heart. The Father heart revelation is phenomenal, amazing, but it's not just the Father heart. We can get flippant with it. By prayer that God resurrects within the people of God. Holy, the anthem of the day. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When we as Christians come to the place of praise and worship, do we realize that that where we put our feet is holy ground? That we pick up a holy Bible. It's separate, it's set apart, it's not a fairy tale. God has given us something. I think Jesus was saying, I'm a father, I'll address as a father, I'll be with you in time of need. But my name, it must be kept holy. My place of prayer, it must be kept holy. It's funny, sometimes I go into the place of prayer and see if it's a cluttered room. I could just go to tidy it sometimes. But it was, I may be speaking to myself here. But it's difficult to pray, I think, in a cluttered room. Because immediately my mind goes to, like, I have to sort that out. But I think that's good. Tidy up. Then set your cell aside for a holy moment. May your name be holy. And then he said us. So you with me so far? Our father, he's a father, we're a dependent child. He is holy, we are unholy, he's set apart, we are sinners, we are privileged to come in through the blood of Jesus to the holy a holies, a place that is secret, a place that is sacred, a place we should honor, a place we should put in the diary, a place we should mark us withdraw for the things of the world. I'm sorry, I can't meet you. I have to meet the holy God of Israel. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For this, this is the king in the subject relationship. He's my father. He's always there, the love connection, our father. His name is holy. I'm a sinner in need of him. But when he prays us, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm reminded of this, his lordship and his kingship. And when I come into the place of prayer, I'm not trying to presume his will. I pray with all my needs and all my wants. You're the king. I'm the subject. Forever you say, goes. And that's been my biggest mistake for years getting into the place of prayer is us presuming that I can God's answer to my prayers. I can his will that none should perish. 
Yet his sovereign will is not implemented on every person on the planet. He permits people to choose him and to not choose him with eternal consequences. But when I see him as king, you come with a posture almost bowing in your heart. Can and fit you want, can and fit you need, but you've got to stamp it with this. It's your will that has to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I used to think this verse meant there's no sickness in heaven, therefore there should never be any sickness in a Christian in the church because that's as well on heaven, that's as well hell, as well on earth. There, there's no poverty in heaven, Therefore, it's God's will that there shouldn't be poverty on earth. I should be rich. And we try and drag the heavenly thing down to deal with God's will to an earthly perspective. Okay, if that is the case, I am out of God's will in terms of health. Because every day I have to take a preventator, so I don't have an asthma attack. This week... I got a new preventator. I was happy because my last dean was at its ebb and flow. It was just at its last. And Roxy, I just put on the table. Roxy went up, grabbed it. Roxy's a dog, by the way, in case you didn't like him. Burst the canister with her teeth, didn't she? I felt, I just felt my whole life flow femur. She's just destroyed the thing I need to take every day to stop asking my tax. So I just phoned. You don't get to speak to nobody these days, do you? So I phoned the prescription line. <laughs> it's like the, the, the monthly phone call. So I was full of apologies. I was like, look, I can't fuzz going to hear this, but I can buy your records. I do not deserve another preventator. I have just been to the chemist and I have just got it. But I can't fuzz going to hear but I am really, really sorry. My dog has just burst the canister. And I need another one within a few days. So... Even if I have to pay for it, can I please go and pick up another prescription? They probably listen to it, probably think, that guy's a bit weird. But in terms of God's will, if that's what it is, then I'm out of God's will. And say so are a lot of you. And I've been prayed for, and I've fasted, and I've declared it, and I'm mine getting prayed for it at Cats of Fire Conference. That was the Toronto Blessing. And I went and I got prayed for for one thing. I want to live with asthma. And they said, we'll pray for you. You've got to have faith. Even as small as a mustard seed when you go for that place. And you tell people, you have been healed of asthma. So I'm on the phone to my dad and I'm saying, look, I'm still in Teen Challenge, but I've been healed of asthma. How do you can, son? I was like, oh, I can. I've got the prayer of faith. And this is why it was done. Well, within three days, I had an asthma attack. And nothing happened. I'm not saying that's a God can heal, because there's miracles in here. God can heal. But if we start thinking that it's his absolute will for this, you're going to end up upset. Many people have left church because they thought God's will had to be answered in a certain way. And when it didn't happen, they fell out of faith and fell out of love. So if it doesn't mean we keep on praying for the sick, 
It says as for me. You can mark your mind up. Go check it with your Bible. God's will is perfectly done in heaven. He's the king. Nothing ever happens that, that isn't his will. The devil tried to come up and create something that wasn't God's will, got banished. God's perfect will is established in heaven. It's to deal with will and to deal with governance. And as we approach the place of prayer, we are saying, God, you are the king of heaven. Your lordship is fully established in heaven. Now, I've got my prayer requests. I've got my needs. I've got my wants. But I am simply asking, forever your will is, let it be done. I'm not the king of this castle. You are. If I have to live with this till the day I die, and then I'll see you face to face, if that is your will, I surrender to that. If riches are not for me, and the fanciest car is not for me, and the biggest two sisters is not for me, I'm surrendering to your will, whatever that looks like. And you can't fit this. It puts you at complete rest. And it wraps up a lot of our lusts. Because we like our lusts. And I've heard it testified many times, and maybe some of you can relate to this, that single people, and they get their lust of the partner they want to meet, and they, they've given God the lust. You can the lust that my partner's got to be tall, dark, and handsome, and blue eyes. He's got to look like George Clooney. He's got to be on fire for the Lord. And uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. He's got to be tall, dark, handsome, rich, well-educated. I gave God the lust. I gave God the lust. And look for I'm married to. God answered the lust. I'm just grateful Elizabeth didn't have a lust when she was looking for a man. Because that's not the way to pray. That's saying, God, I want you to answer my prayer the way I see it. That's saying, God, I want my will to be done. Can you cast that check? You mark up your own mind. I want, I want the church to grow. And I pray, God, add numbers, people getting saved. But let your will be done, God. Because before that happens, the church might shrink. Some people are blessed and they're coming in. Some people are blessed and they're gone out. And God will maybe do something in the secret place behind hidden scenes where he starts to deal with holiness, deal with attitudes, deal with righteousness. And it's a shrinking moment. And you think, God, you've promised to build your church. Surely that's your will. But when you bow your heart to his will, he'll say, right, right. If you want it, this is what it looks like. Then I get upset about it. You run my well. This is what it looks like. And my heart is this morning. I'm not going to go on. It was too much to unpack us in a one morning service. I'll maybe come on. It's split into two halves. The first half of the Lord's Prayer is about God, for He is. The second half is about we're wanting, fair God. You see the Garden of Gethsemane? You see this wonderful picture of Jesus at his point of trial. And if this helps you in only why, the final point, I want you to see God's will as a complete mystery. His will is that none should perish, that's certain sure. Pray for people to be saved. 
for me, the, the others, or other stuff, and other practical stuff that we pray for, it's a mystery. Because it's a mystery, it doesn't mean we shrink back and do not pray. We'll lean into God. Loads of practical examples, even recently, how we pray for sick people, and then, did I get the answer? And the operation goes longer, and you think, oh, so much folk praying. But yet you bow your heart and say, it's your will, and it's your will that's to be done, and it strengthens the believer. And Jesus, as it is most vulnerable before the cross, blood, sweat, dripping firm, is a water face the most brutal, torturous death that we can was near the end, but he was hit to go through it. He knew if he'd be hunting, it would be sore. He asked his disciples to pray. And it was in that garden of suffering that he prayed to the Father, and he says, Father, oh, let this cup of suffering pass me. But, and he said, let not my will be done. Let your will. And that changes my heart to deal with how a Christian should suffer. We didn't just pull down all the blessings for heaven so that we had an easy life. You will suffer. But if you can come with a posture, well, well pray. But the most important thing, God, is name me here an easy life with the right wife at the right time and the right job. It's your will to be done. And I have changed my prayer life over the last week while and even praying for my kids. I want them to have health. I want them to have health. When they go for a job, I want them to be the best job. I don't want them to suffer. And now I'm not praying for the best job. I'm praying for God's job. I'm praying for the best partner that I could see. I'm praying for God's partner. If that is God's will, let your will be done. I pray you just get some of that before we go. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. It's almost going to feel something. The break's on because Jesus didn't end the prayer. But I think that's enough meat to go on for a hell week. If you can get, nay, if you pray, when you pray, get in your diary a prayer life, a secret place. You approach your Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, as a dependent child. You come, you ask Him what you want. You see that moment as a holy place, a divine place, near a place to be trifled with, near a place to be flippant, near a place just to say the name of Jesus, like I'm saying the name of John, like I'm saying the name of Isabel, like I would say the name of other people, but keep the name of Jesus as a secret, sacred, awe-inspiring name, and you will be deliberate in your heart that's a holy moment. You might even want to take off your shoes at that moment, because when Moses approached the fire, he took off his sandals. It was a sign of vulnerability. It was a sign I'm in the presence of someone, the great I am, that shouldn't they really approach. And he's an unapproachable light, and it says, no man has seen the Father and lived. He's so holy, so majestic. And yet as we come with the king in subject heart, we'd also come, God, let your will be done. I see this community. I see my family. Got many needs, got many prayers, they've got many petitions. But let your will be done, and you will hear the final say. And if ever you say is final, I pray that your name would be glorified in the midst 
or your answered prayers for your sins. And God, as we take this to a close, I thank you for the privilege it is to call you Father, a spiritual Father, one that will always be there. I thank you for the awesomeness of your name and for us to be able at every moment and every day, whether in the middle of the night, early in the morning, or somewhere in between, that we could hear a moment of holiness and your name would be feared, we'd hear a holy posture, we'd be grateful even to take a step in to the presence of a holy God. And help us as we approach to seek your will in all things, knowing that you will answer, knowing that your desire is that your name would be glorified. And God, we are the last that we come. We pray that everyone would come with your heart to let your will be done. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. Let your will be done in our church. Let your will be done in our family. Let your will be done in our earthly family, our spiritual family. Let your will be done in our community, in our schools, in our nursing homes. Let your will be done. Let your will be done with the sick and the broken. Let your will be done in this nation, O God. Let your kingdom rule. Let your kingdom reign. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, I learned, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And then time to study it to its end, but my Bible takes that out. I thought I would see it, but you've got to go to the margin at the bottom. I'm not sure why, but I do like it as an ending. Thine is the power. Yours is the kingdom. And yours, yours is the glory. It's not about me. It's about you. And Jesus has said that is the heart of the praying Christian. Let's stand. We'll take up our tithes and offerings as we worship our Heavenly Father, our Holy God, and our precious King. Let's worship Him. So we'll take up our offerings. <laughs>